Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We're honored that you're here, and we pray that you find this message both encouraging and inspiring. Um, this morning, I am not preaching. Uh, I do not have a message for you this morning. Will next week, but I don't have one for you this morning. Um, my friend Stanton is here with us. He is he serves as one of our um, overseers at this church. He leads a movement in South Georgia called Burn Culture, and he is one of my very best friends in the world. We talk every single week sometimes multiple times a week and we talk about everything that there is to talk about and me and Stanton actually met at a youth camp like I don't know like I guess it's like five years ago now it's like 2017 something like that four years ago something like that we met there we had mutual friendships before that but that's where we officially met and we connected something in me was stirred something in him was stirred when we met each other we just have kindred spirits and we I knew as soon as I took over as the lead pastor of this church I wanted him to serve in some way shape form or fashion and I wanted him to speak into our church on a regular basis and the best way to do that is to serve on our board and the second best way to do that is to come preach like once a year or once every year and a half so if you've noticed, I bring all of our board members in to preach because I want them to, I want them to share with you as well. And so Stanton's here this morning. He has a word for us, and I am super excited to hear it. I'm excited to receive it. I don't know what he's preaching, so he may just set it off in here this morning and just go with the flow if he does. Amen him, shout him down, and just, Kate, could you stand to your feet this morning, though, and welcome him to the stage. What is up, Hope Unlimited? Somebody stand on your feet and give God some praise. Now, I'm a Pentecostal preacher, so I need a little bit of help. Hopefully, you ain't too dead in the house. Worship was amazing. And a lot of times after such a powerful move of the presence of God like that, we very quickly just kind of start lulling our seat. So I'm going to need you to help me now. I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan. Where's Jam at, man? Woo! That's my guy right there already, man. I'll come back Hope Unlimited just to hang out with him. So anyway, man, um, you guys can be seated. Bro, if you will hang right there with me for a little bit, that would be amazing. Um, if it's all right with Pastor Cole, I want to share just some things that I've, I felt from the Lord during worship, um, if that's okay, bro, if that's all right. Um, first thing I want to do is, first thing I want to do is I want to honor these guys before I say anything. Um, honor God for the opportunity to even stand here and preach to you today. Um, but I want to honor your leaders. Pastor Cole and Anna are dear friends of mine and my wife's, and we believe in them. I believe in the vision that God has given Cole. I believe in the grace and the anointing that rests on Cole's life. And um, he is well equipped to lead you, to pastor you guys, and to really just father this movement and what the Lord is doing and hope unlimited. And so... Man, I just honor you guys. Thank you so much for the opportunity um, to come and uh, to serve your body. Yeah, give it up for it. I had the opportunity. We'll talk a little bit about burn culture maybe, but I had the opportunity. I can already tell I'm not going to be standing up here. I'm going to be standing down there. I feel like I'm so high. I like to be with you guys. Um, I'll do that in just a minute. But when ministers, leaders, pastors, you know, whatever, the burden is real, man, because we were sharing over coffee this morning. You have genuine love for your people. Like, you love your people, and that is God-given. It's a God-given thing that he just imparts into pastors. It's not like you just wake up one day and say, God, I want to be a pastor, and I want to go to No, man, it's like he supernaturally imparts vision, and he gives you a burden for your city because I don't believe you have any authority in the city unless God puts a burden in you for that city 
We're not just here knocking out services, man. We're believing that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ here at Hope Unlimited Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. That's what we're believing for. And I stand with him in that vision. And it's an honor to be able to lock arms with him and Anna and Beckham, right, and see Jesus really touch people in this city. And so I honor these guys. The next thing that I want to do is when I was standing over here in worship, I felt like the Lord switched your the, church, the name of your church. I'm not saying call the attorney and fix the name of it. But I felt like when I was standing over there that the Lord put the word unlimited in front of hope. And the Lord gave me this scripture. And so I'm a man of my word. Emily, I told you that we'd be all over the place. Can we go to Isaiah 9-7? And put that on the screen because I felt like I saw this verse open up like as a banner over you guys. Um, it doesn't matter, just whatever translation. We'll read it and whatever. But before I get into any of this, I just got to say this. And I'll tell you the reason why I felt like the Lord put the word unlimited in front of hope. Um, before she does that, I know that like in the New King James, it says, For the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. For the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end, right? Let me read it to you out of the CSB and whatever, yeah, whatever. Isaiah 9, 7, it says this. This is out of the Christian Standard Bible. It says, the dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. So for the increase of God's government and his peace, there will be no end. So, so for this church, I believe that it's almost like you guys are here to proclaim that there's unlimited hope because you're rooted in proper theology, which is this. Jesus Christ is perfect theology and he is nothing but good. So when you have a company of people that truly know who Jesus is and they week after week after week proclaim that he is nothing but good, it becomes a prophetic witness and it becomes a prophetic announcement to that city out there and to this region that God's kingdom is increasing and it doesn't matter what's going on on the media, whether or not your guy is in the White House or not. God doesn't really give a flip about any of that because he is, he's not, I don't believe he's in control, but I believe he's in charge. And I believe that he partners with people like Hope Unlimited, like you that are sitting in this room right now in order to see heaven come to earth. Because in heaven, what Pastor Cole just shared with you during the time of offering, listen, man, there is zero lack or poverty going on in heaven right now. There's nothing but vast wealth and unlimited riches and unlimited resources. And they are not concerned about paying their power bill and their water bill because they are, they are looking at the one who provides all of their needs and riches and glory, wants and all. God won't just give you what you need. He'll give you what you want too. And what concerns you concerns him. He is faithful. He is consistent. And he is steadfast. And he's loyal to his people. God won't just speak a word to you. He won't just deliver something to you. He will also watch over that word. As he watches over that word, you and I, yes, we partner with him in the place of worship and in prayer. But we are not the ones that ultimately fulfill that word. It's God that does that. So whether it happens quick or whether it takes generations and hundreds of years to see it happen... You can bet your bottom dollar that because his ways are not like ours and his thoughts are not like ours, we can rest assured that the king, that the increase of his government is advancing in the earth. And so unlimited hope has come to Knoxville. Does that make sense, man? Does that make sense? It's like I saw unlimited just and then hope go right there. You are bringing the good news of Jesus Christ. Do you know the first mark of God's kingdom showing up in a city is the true announcement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
then his kingdom can't be then his kingdom can be established when a church begins to proclaim who Jesus Christ truly is then his kingdom begins to take rule and reign in that city amen so Isaiah 9 7 man praise God the next thing is important because I also saw this in this verse we'll get to this word in a minute but it says that he will reign on the throne of who David he's gonna rule on the throne of David Emily listen Exodus chapter 15 speaks of no 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 don't pull that up I want to speak this to you in Exodus chapter 15 the Bible speaks of a woman named Miriam it ain't even like I've even hardly paid any attention to Miriam in Exodus chapter 15 but when I was standing over there and I saw her name is Hannah right the Bible says in Exodus chapter 15 that after, after the Lord leads the children of Israel through the Red Sea, Miriam goes forth with dancing. And she takes a tambourine and everybody's dancing, but it specifically says that she's leading women in a dance. Your yes to mother this worship team is you're reaping the fruit of your labor in that one right there. Where, is she, where are you at? You're anointed. When you... When you started singing, give me, I'm here to tell you, man, you are not a background vocal who's just always going to be on the background. God has called you to lead. You've got this anointing about you like, like Mary at the feet of Jesus. When you worship, man, it's like he receives it. He receives all of our worship. Hannah's not any more special than any of us. Don't hear that. But it's almost like, like Mary when she broke her box and when she wiped Jesus' feet and all of that. And, your worship releases a sweet-smelling aroma in the nostrils of Jesus. And the Lord said, you can be trusted, man. He trusts you. The Bible says that, the, Matthew 5, the Bible says that the pure-hearted, they get to see God. The Bible says that if we have a singular focus, then our whole body is full of light. And you've got a worship pastor who believes in you, who will give you full permission to do this. Never change the subject. You don't have to ever change the topic. You don't have to sing about something else. Most of our worship songs today are all about what we can get from God. You sing songs straight to the throne. And you sing to Jesus. And as you do that, man, I believe he's going to shift the atmosphere in this room. And people are going to have real encounters with Jesus. So I just felt that over you. There's an anointing and a grace like Miriam to lead women. Specifically here at Hope Unlimited. To just be free, to be wild to worship God undignified. Amen. I felt that just very strongly. So, all right, here we go. Is that okay? All right, let's place our hands on our hearts really quick. Holy Spirit, I pray. Lord, I pray Ephesians 1 this morning that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. Lord, I pray Colossians 1.9 in this room. Fill us. Lord, prayer and life in the kingdom it doesn't begin with us talking. It begins with us listening. Because at the end of the day, we don't have anything to say unless you speak first. So Colossians 1.9 is what I ask for Hope Unlimited this morning. That you would fill your people with the knowledge of your will. We want to know what's on the Father's heart. Holy Spirit, would you unveil Jesus to us in this room? Because we can't know Jesus without you, Holy Spirit. Take us beyond the veil. Take us beyond the path. Just the normal understanding that we think we may have. Lord, when there's familiar passages that we think we just know the full meaning to, we don't have to live on yesterday's bread. You are speaking now and forevermore. And there is a river that is proceeding out of your mouth and out of the throne of God. Holy Spirit, speak to us and reveal the Son. I'm asking you, Lord. God, if they walk out of here and say, man, Pastor Stanton can communicate really well, I have failed. Holy Spirit, I pray, reveal Jesus. We want to hear, we want to see, and we want to know Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go to John chapter 2. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you. John chapter 2. We're going to read. We're going to read some Bible verses this morning. And we are going to look at John chapter 2, and we're also going to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 as well. And so we're going to read a little bit. Before I do that, um, 
I normally travel with, travel with my wife or uh, another one of our guys, but I prefer to have my wife with me because she's way better looking than uh, any of you in this room. And I love, to, I love to just look at her. She's just beautiful. And I married my best friend. And um, we, we just love life, man. We have a ton of fun. We try not to take each other too seriously. I'm guilty of that. Sometimes I walk around, like, try to be so serious all the time. So she, she counters that very well. And um, so, man, I love her dearly. She's getting ready for our family gathering with our, with, our, uh, with our church in Tifton right now. We had a service on Friday night, and the presence of Jesus really touched people in a powerful way. And so she's up there cleaning the worship center with some ladies right now, getting ready for that. And, um, but I so hate that she couldn't come, but she sends her love, and uh, hopefully she can come back next time if Pastor Cole will let me come back and be with you guys again. Um, hopefully she can come back with me. Um, also, we, uh, yeah, like he said, I'm the lead pastor of Burn Culture in Tifton. That's a work that we planted May the 29th of, of last year, so we're only about a year and a half old. And we started, we started as Burn Young Adults, actually. We started meeting in a living room uh, with no lights, none of this stuff, no screen, no camera, no soundboard, no, uh, you know, incredible anointed keyboard player like the Seraphim Angel right there. And I mean, none of that. There was none of that going on. I just, I noticed that at the church that we were a part of, that there was some young adults that uh, didn't really find their, it's like, almost like they didn't have their place. Like they're, they're too cool to be with the teenagers now. You know, they had got a little bit older. And then they were too young to hang out with the older, with the adults on midweek. So I said, well, since they don't really have their place, I said, let's put them in our house every Sunday night at 6 p.m. And I'll get a box of Domino's pizza and we'll ask the Holy Spirit to come. We'll teach the scriptures and we'll just start doing life with these guys. Little did I know that burn young adults would turn to burn culture. And so from February of 2019 to March of 2020, every single Sunday night, I'm watching Holy Spirit touch these kids in a really powerful way, man. Real tears, the joy of the Lord. Life on life. It was Acts 2:42 through 47. It was the first expression of ministry that had really fulfilled me in my bones. You know what I mean? Like not just knocking stuff out, but I felt so fulfilled on the inside. And I told my wife, I said, what's going on with these college students and what's happening in our little itty-bitty community right here, I'll give the rest of my life to steward what God is doing with that. I'll give the rest of my life for that because we were seeing real discipleship. We were seeing real ministry and real transformation take place in these, in these young adults' lives. And, so, and then COVID hit, right? All the madness breaks out. Everybody's wearing masks and buying toilet paper and running around with our hair on fire. And so crazy season, man. It seems like just yesterday that was going on. But anyway, so, so COVID hits, and then my wife and I get pregnant. And um, so March of like February, March of 2020, I'm sitting at the dinner table where I always used to sit, and she brings the pregnancy test over. She's like, babe, I'm pregnant. Oh, my gosh, we're so excited. Give her a hug. We're crying. It's amazing. And, um, you know, optimistic and positive and excited like any young father, future father would be, right? I'm excited to be a dad. She's excited to be a mom. And it's going to be awesome. And so April, May, June, July goes by. And uh, we noticed that our baby really wasn't growing that much. Um, but we had no idea what was ahead. And so we thought she was somewhat healthy. We really didn't know to the degree of what we were up against. And so every July 4th, we go to the beach with my wife's family. We go to St. Augustine. And, um, and so we go every July 4th. And on the way back home, uh, we knew that we had an anatomy scan the following Thursday. So we were planning for that. And we go to the anatomy scan. This is, this is July of 2020, just a few years ago. So we go to do the anatomy scan. And it lasted like an hour and a half. It was super long. And I knew, I knew something wasn't right. And then we go into this separate room over here. Because back then, you did everything via Zoom and via Skype. So it wasn't like, you know, you could just go talk to people face-to-face. And so uh, this lady by the name of Dr. Amanzi from Tallahassee, Florida, comes over the Skype screen immediately following this long anatomy scan that we have. And she says, we're about to have a very difficult conversation. She said, your daughter is very sick. And um, she said, I'm a mother, so I know how hard this is going to be. And at that moment, man, my whole world just starts closing in. And um, I knew it was going to be downhill fast. And so she just said, your daughter's very sick. She said she has a really bad heart defect. And her growth is actually stunted. And she's not growing. Abby, my wife, she didn't have any flu- enough fluid in her womb for the baby to grow. And the placenta was flowing in the wrong direction. 
And um, there was a variety of issues like spina bifida. Her spine was not connected. Her intestines were the wrong color. It was just a variety of things, man. And so they say, we're going to ship you to Albany, Georgia, which is about 30 minutes away from where we live. And we're going to put you guys on bed rest. And we might be having an immediate C-section. We don't know to try to save this baby's life. And so we do that. We call the parents, get the dog, man. Like, you know, we don't know when we'll be home again. You know, it's terrible. And so we get there, and that actually didn't happen at all. Dr. Edwards, who was the specialist that we saw, he said, if I take this baby out right now, um, she won't survive. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you back home. I'm going to put you on some protein. We're going to give you shots of protein. We're going to change your diet, and we're going to try to get this baby's weight up. And so we went back the following Monday. The protein shots did not work. The baby is not growing. And he basically said, you guys are in about a 72-hour window. And they said, um, the baby's heart's going to go into cardiac arrest. You're going to lose her. And so 72 hours turned into 30 days. And we went back and forth every Monday and Thursday, one to Albany, one to Valdosta. So Albany's about 30 minutes away one way. Valdosta's about an hour the other way. So back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, not really knowing what we were going to hear, not really believing. I would grab her by the, I would just grab her by the hand and we would declare the word of God. I believe in healing. I believe that it's never God's will for anyone to be sick, dead, you know, confusion, death, disease, pain. That's not, what, that's not the ministry of who Jesus is, right? So anything that's out of alignment with his will, we can understand as believers that according to Romans 8, 1, he's working all things for our good. Even in the crushing, even in the adversity, and even in the pain, there will be new wine that comes out of whatever you may be facing in this room today. Because I don't know your story. Everybody's got a journey. Everybody's got a story and a testimony, amen, of where God has brought you from. And so anyway, uh, 30, 72 hours turns into 30 days. And then uh, on August the 17th of 2020, we go in and baby girl flatlines and she has no heartbeat. And so we go back home and we end up, you know, getting checked into the hospital later that afternoon. And um, we labor for 19 hours overnight. And then we had to give birth, actually, which was very painful. And so we give birth, and Adelie Gray, my daughter, who's with the Lord now, Abby's holding her, and grandparents are there. And um, I just knew in that moment, I felt the grace of God come over me like just like hot liquid honey almost. And I knew God was with us, and I knew that he was going to see us out of this. But I also knew that coming from this, life would not look the same. We were transitioning from the ministry that my family had been at for 30 years. My dad had served as an elder for 10. I was on staff as the student pastor with 200 youth and young adults that we were pastoring every week and just giving our lives to it, man. We love it, and I will always honor the previous season of our life, but I knew that God was tugging on my heart and that what he did with, Burn, with, with our young adults, he was not done with yet. And so when Adelie went to be with the Lord a couple weeks later, so 8.18, I felt like that was a sign to me because in the book of Isaiah, the prophet speaks in the 8th chapter, in the 18th verse, and he says, for the, children of the, for the children of Israel that you have given me will be a sign and a wonder. And she went to be with the Lord on 8.18. And so I just felt like to me that the Lord gave me that as a nugget, as a token to say you'll always look back on this as a memorial and as a marker that from that moment forward, even though death happened, I'm bringing a resurrection from this moment, right? And so I get this word a couple weeks after this. And this guy looks at me in, in my eyeballs. And he's like, you know, like from me to you guys. And he said, a little bit closer. And he goes, the natural death that you experienced in your life is going to bring a spiritual resurrection and rebirthing in your life. And it will be expedited. That's all he said. And he walked away. And I knew that the Holy Spirit was speaking to my heart directly right there. That what we went through, God was about to bring new life out of that painful, terrible situation. And so we ended up planting burn culture out of that word and gave us a whole family to do life with right there in Tifton, Georgia. God provided the exact house that we wanted. God provided an incredible salary for me and my wife. I mean, God did all of that and he lined all of that up. But the fire of God's love, I felt it so strong. I felt his nearness. I felt his presence more in that season. I feel like I learned more about God in that season of my life, really walking away from the, I mean, my daughter, yes, and then everything that I knew about ministry, and we walked away from that and gave it all to the Lord and said, God, whatever you want to do, 
It's one yes at the time that changes your life, man. It's just obeying the nudging and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, specifically in the Passion Translation, says that the mature children of God are those that are led by the impulse of the Holy Spirit. You are not mature in God because you can preach or lead worship. And as a matter of fact, we have, for whatever reason, dumbed down the body of Christ and all of the gifts that all of you have in this room to somebody that could preach or lead worship. Listen, man, there are so many other gifts that this body needs. And the way to help this couple and the way for this church to begin to thrive is 1 Corinthians 14 and Romans 12 that speaks of this when it says, when one speaks in a tongue, he edifies himself. But when you prophesy, you build up the whole church. So if you've got the gift of teaching, you got to teach. Because if not, hope unlimited is not going to be what it's supposed to be. If you've got the gift of encouragement, then you don't have a choice, baby. you got to encourage. Because if not, this body's going to go lacking. If you've got the gift of generosity and giving and God has blessed you with wealth and resources, then you have a responsibility to help advance this church and advance the mission because God has given you that grace. We've numbed it down to just the fivefold and say God is restoring the fivefold. Nonsense. He's not just restoring the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. He wants to restore all the gifts back to the church whether you hold this mic or stand in this pulpit or not and with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone the only way for the body to grow together in God as our lives are knit together is for you to do and be what God has called you to be that's how the kingdom advances and that's how this church gets healthy that's the lifeblood that pumps through here is you holding that door you're not just holding that door because pastor cole has asked you to do that it's for a purpose you're not just leading a small group doing a women's retreat doing hopes giving hope give all of that stuff is unto a purpose oh man all right here we go john 2 sorry john 2 this is what it says we're going to talk for a few moments won't be too much longer because I've already rambled too long. I just want to say, everybody look at me. I've not come to give you any mind-blowing revelation today. I've not come with that. I want to say yes and amen to this is home. That's what I've come to do. Because you guys are in a series right now. And so what I want to do is just affirm this. Because I believe that in this title alone, this is exactly what God is trying to do all across the nations of the world right now. Okay, it's not about who's got the most flash, who's got the best stuff. None of that stuff can be found in the New Testament. God has his purpose and God has his way and man gets in the way of that. But just because it's been accepted now doesn't, doesn't mean that it's been accepted or is affirmed biblically from Genesis to Revelation, Revelation in these scriptures. And if you can't find it in here, we probably should ask ourselves, what in the bleep are we even doing? Because at the end of the day, Jesus said he would build his church. Pastor Cole and I don't have a church. It's God's church. He said that he, and if you'll let him build it, and if we'll let him build it, then we won't have to worry about the gates of hell not prevailing. We won't ever have to worry about that because he will build it. According to Psalms, I believe it's the 27th verse. Verse, don't quote me on that. But it says this, unless the Lord build the house, those that labor will labor in vain. So we have to get in this word and we have to get in the scriptures and see what does Jesus call the church? How does he define it? Is it an event? I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go to John chapter 2, verse 13. Let's read it. Sorry. I'm all over the place this morning. I preach like women drive. If you see something you like, you just pull over. Antique shop. Starbucks. The mall. We just pull over. That's kind of how I am, okay? So y'all just bear with me. I can be a little sporadic. John 2, it says this, verse 13. The Jewish, pa the Jewish Passover was near. So Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple and he found people selling oxen, sheep, and doves. And he also found the money changer sitting there. After making a whip of cords, he drove everyone out of the temple with their sheep and oxen. He also poured out the money changer's coins and overturned the tables. He told those who were selling doves, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. One translation says, stop commercializing it. 
Verse 17, it says, and his disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. Zeal for your house will consume me. Verse 18, so the Jews replied to him, well, what sign will you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. Therefore, the Jews said, this temple took 46 years to build and you're going to raise it up in three days, homeboy? Verse 21, but he was speaking about the temple of his body. So when he, raised, when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. And they believed the scripture and the statement that Jesus had made. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, 20, 21, and 22 really quick. Ephesians 2, 19, 20, and I'm not going to turn there. I'm going to trust that you guys can help. Boom, look at that. I love it. Here we go. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. <laughs> Built on the foundation of the apostles, prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. That's what we referenced earlier. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Last verse. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling place in the spirit. I want to make a few statements for you today, and it's this. Unless we are building what Jesus Christ has laid his life down for, we are irrelevant. Unless we are giving ourselves to fully give over to the Lamb of God what he is worthy of, may the Lamb of God receive the reward of his suffering. How? In you and in me. How will he receive that? It's with our laid down lives that have been purchased by his, by his blood on the cross of Calvary over two years ago. He died so that you and I could rule as a suitable, comparable companion next to him. This is the whole Genesis 1 and 2 in the creation when we see Adam and Eve. Let us give man a helper because it's not good for man to be alone. So let's give him someone to rule and reign. And this is the whole idea of us, the members of God. God has called the church to be radiant and to rule with him, to reign with him, to take dominion. Come on, man. This is what he tells Adam. Look at the zebra. Name it. Look at the fish. Whatever. You call it what it is because he has given you authority to rule and to reign with him in the earth as his bride and as his family. And Jesus is not coming back for a 501c3 nonprofit. Jesus is not coming back for an LLC license. He's not coming back for light, smoke, haze, and great gifts. What he is coming back for is an on-fire group of people that burn with Jesus living in their hearts and want to say this, we're going to live as family on mission and we're not just going to stay in the upper room, but we're going to allow that upper room to then throw us out in the streets because Peter preaches. He gives the announcement of the gospel and their hearts are pierced. I'm in Acts 2, 1 and 2. Their hearts are pierced. Oh my gosh. Well, what does this mean then? Because I've heard Pastor Casey preach this even. The, what went, went on when the wind blew and when fire is on their heads? That was unto something. We can't just make golden calves out of encounter. Because what ends up happening is, is we have great moments that are very powerful. I still believe that in one moment, God can shift everything for you. I still believe that one encounter with the face of Jesus Christ can revolutionize your entire life. And I will always believe that to the day I die. But, and there's a big but, if that encounter does not move you to dining room tables and move you to living rooms and begin to move you in lobbies and Starbucks and coffee shops and restaurants and you don't get with life on life and you don't start getting at one another's tables, then what is going to happen is the encounter that you had at Hope Unlimited Church is going to begin to wean. Because Psalm 133 says... Blessed are the brethren that dwell together in unity. And then he says, God will command the blessing there. Blessed are the brethren that dwell together in unity. God will command the blessing. Not just a little blessing. The blessing. Well, I would like to define what the blessing is. In Acts 2, we find it. Psalm 133, prophecy. Acts 2, fulfillment. 
Acts 2 is not something that we're just supposed to read about and say, oh man, that was the birthday of the church. It was the inauguration. Man, that was amazing. No, it's, it's history, yes, but it's to also be prophecy. It's also to be the way of life because there should be something coming off of our lives. There should be a response that comes off when you see him and your heart gets pierced with the revelation of Jesus. And we get in these moments where Holy Spirit begins to reveal him and worship is bumping. You just can't go back home and just burn in a prayer closet and expect everything to happen. You better find somebody to burn with. Because here's what's going to happen. There will be no wineskin for God to pour anything into. Chapter 2 in the book of Mark says this. Jesus says, I'm not going to take new wine and put it into an old wineskin. So what we do is we try to scratch our itch. And we want. And so what we do is we organize for you small groups. Because we know Jesus is jealous for family. Pastor Cole shouldn't have to put you in a small group. You should just do life naturally. And then, and then what begins to happen is we don't, become a, we don't become a church with small groups. We're a group of small groups. We're, we are a church of small groups. Does that make sense? That life on life just begins to organically happen. The church is organic. It's a community. It's fellowship. It's breaking bread. It's giving ourselves to one another and to the apostles' teaching. The table of the Lord. Communion. This is how we walk this thing out. And I know this is not anything unfamiliar to you. I know that this is language that you're used to hearing. But we have to be very, we have to be very clear on what Jesus meant when he said, Hey, don't turn my father's house into this. Because I want it to be this. Well, what is this? Because if it's his church, then don't you think he deserves the right to define what it is. So as I said before, if I don't, I don't have a church, it belongs to him. Then we would have to rightly identify what that is. So in Isaiah 56 verse 7, it says, My house will be a house. Notice the language. This is home, right? My house will be a house of prayer for all nations. House, prayer, nations. House is family to God. Prayer is ministry to the Lord. Nations is ministry to others. There can be no horizontal ministry unless there's first vertical ministry. Because when you see him, the only proper response is then to love your neighbor. The gospel is not hard, man. Love the Lord God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. If we could just get that right, the suicide rate would decrease, divorce would increase, depression and anxiety would, it would decrease. You wouldn't see hell breaking loose in the streets because the church would rise up and be what it's called to be. The whole point, we referenced the, we referenced the fivefold a minute ago. The whole point of the gifts that have been given to some, the, that's what it says, and to some I have given. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. The whole point of that is to go low. So you can go high. That is the whole goal. That is the whole point. It's not to be a big tongue so you'll have a lot. And we got a lot of little ears. The, the point is not to iron fist dominate you. The point is, is that we would undergird you to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Otherwise, we don't have a proper understanding of what Ephesians 4 is even talking about. What do you mean, Stanton? I mean this. Because as you read on, it says, because I want that to happen. I want you to equip the, fi or the fivefold to equip the church to do the works of the ministry. Why? So we all can become mature in Christ into a full stature. We can carry his headship. We can carry his lordship his plan, his purpose, his agenda in the earth because his kingdom is increasing and God is building his house and there's no devil in hell that can stop that. For whatever reason, man, especially us Pentecostal, prophetic, charismatic people, we are fascinated with darkness. But at the end of the day, in him is light and there is no darkness at all. There's nothing but light. So... If God is building his house, 
which I believe it is. And Ephesians 2 that we read says that we are now fellow, we're not strangers anymore. But we're, or foreigners, but we're citizens. We're family members. We are sons and daughters of what? God's household. And here's the deal, y'all. This building is amazing. And I understand that this is where we go because we go to Hope Unlimited Church. But now, under the death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and enthronement, now, through that, under, we are living under a new covenant. It's not bulls and goats anymore, man. We got life. We got freedom pumping through here, right? We don't have to worry about jotting every I and crossing every T. Through that, God doesn't dwell in temples made with man's hands anymore, right? What does that have to do with anything? Because God, God's presence doesn't fill buildings anymore. He fills people. Because when the fire just goes absent in Ezekiel and it's not there anymore, you got to read your Bible like, well, where did the fire go? Because in Acts 2, it shows up again, except this time it doesn't just show up in a temple or it's not just in a little car in the Holy of Holies. Now you have become the Holy of Holies, and now you have become the Holy of Holies, and now my life knit with your life, knit with his life, and his life knit with her life, all becomes the dwelling place. I feel you. It becomes the dwelling place for God to dwell in the Spirit. So that would tell me that we don't just get to encounter God here at Hope Unlimited Church, that we get to encounter God out there at Waffle House, at Longhorns, at the coffee shop. And the same God that manifests here is the same God that manifests there. If I can join hands with my brother, do life, Acts 2, 42 through 47, and our lives knit together actually becomes the dwelling place for God's spirit to dwell. The church is not something that we attend. Let that sink in your heart. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, what he purchased with his blood, is not an event. It's not something that you attend. I'm going to be done at 12. i got nine minutes. Hold me accountable to that, Pastor Cole. Let me forget because I will ramble. Listen. Think about this logic for a moment. Think about this. My family may host a barbecue. We may cook, we may have a barbecue hangout at my house. Hey, Kelby, come over. Pastor Tom, come over. Stephen Womack, everybody come over to my house. We're going to have a barbecue. No matter how successful I am in holding my barbecue events, how stupid would it be and how silly would this be for my family to be called a barbecue? It doesn't make any sense. Oh, well, man, the Moors, man, they, they, they just host a lot of barbecues. They've just turned into a barbecue. It doesn't, it, it doesn't even make sense. Why? Because if you take the event away, we are still a family. If you take the barbecue out of the equation... We still have an assignment in God as a family on the earth. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Right? Last thing, let me, let me give you another example, and it's this. If we're adopting, we're currently in the process of adopting a little girl, and um, it's costing us a lot of money, <laughs> but we are almost there, and we were able to raise $30,000 in about 10 days, all glory to God. And so we got another 20. We got another 20 to get our hands on, right? So, so I don't have a little one in my house. For all of you mothers and fathers in the room, man, you're doing great. I don't know how you do it. You're doing great. Maybe you can come teach me because I don't know what it's like. But I'm, but I'm fixing to get my head spin, right? It's going to be get ready. And I know that. So I'm, I'm sleeping now, right, because I know that day's coming at 3 in the morning. So, and I like to sleep. So, but if me and my wife and my little my little baby girl, and, and we're doing life together, and my wife is cooking throughout the week, and, and all of a sudden, our daughter, right, that we're about to bring into our home from the hospital, if all of a sudden she gets old enough and she says, you know, Dad, like, I'm kind of tired of mom's, uh, I'm kind of tired of that hamburger helper, and, and I'm so I'm going to go down to the Burke's house, 
And I'm going to go because I'm tired of, of just eating that. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pack my room up, and I'm just going to go join the, Bur- the Burks family. What type of sense does that make? Jesus shed his blood for a covenant group of people where if we don't like something or we don't agree with something, then we just go up and join another family. That's, that's not the idea. God died so that we could live in covenant with one another. And that becomes a reconstructed wineskin. Because when we couldn't host the barbecue in John chapter 2, we lost our, I mean, excuse me. If we couldn't host the barbecue in 2020, we lost our bearings in God. When we couldn't show up and do the circus anymore, we found out that we had no identity. Because we become so accustomed to just going back to default. Pastor Cole is going to preach. Pastor Emily is going to sing for me. I will be a consumer. I will be a spectator. I will just sit in the seat. Wow, that was amazing. And go to the country buffet. That is not the goal. And so what now, now we're seeing begin to happen is places like Hope Unlimited Church that are declaring this is home and this is not an event. This is family. This is not a par church like separate as some like ministry organization no you are a family and that family from the ground up becomes a reconstructed wineskin I know that there's been a lot of language recently around deconstruction and I'll let I'll let Pastor Cole tackle that for you I'm not going down that down that path but let me tell you what I do believe is happening prophetically and that is John chapter 2 Jesus has showed up and he's turned tables over and he said you've commercialized it and you've turned it into this and that is not what it is because my house will be a house a family of prayer for all nations and when you think house hope unlimited you got to think family when you think house you can't think whatever the address to this place is when you think hope unlimited you've got to think my your people will be my people and we're going to we're going to walk this thing out together and that becomes a reconstructed wineskin that I believe happened in 2020. I believe we're in one of the most prophetically significant hours that the Lord has ever had in the history. Like, do you know how big of a deal it is that you're even alive right now? You're here on purpose, man. You're here because you're significant. And God must love you a whole lot for you to be living in the world where gross darkness is covered the land. It is, man. We got a whole lot of craziness going on, and I understand that. But arise and shine, for the glory of the Lord has risen among you, church. What is the answer for a world that's spinning around in chaos? There's a man by the name of Damon Thompson that we like to listen to, and he says this. What is the answer for the world that's spinning around you? It's the world within you. You can't speak to chaos if you got chaos going on in here. And the, and the New Testament says, confess your sins to one another. Do life with one another so that, so that your hearts can be healed. We found out, and I don't like to talk about the past, man. God's moving. He's advancing. I believe that. But we found out a few years ago that we needed one another. That's what we found out. We found out that, man, I'm not near as fulfilled, and I don't have as much joy without you guys, without everybody in this thing together. And that sounds corny, and that, but I'm just telling you, man, God is raising up families. I believe it with all of my heart. And I believe that here at Hope Unlimited Church in Knoxville, Tennessee, I believe that this is a family. God is pleased with you. Keep going, man. Don't stop. If anything... This, this facility that you're sitting in right now, it's not big enough. It works for now. And take advantage of it while you can in this nice little close-knit living room. But you watch what I tell you. It's not big enough. Because why? When hope, when it's unlimited hope, and hey, the tent, the tent of David, he's going to sit on the tent of David. You worship your behind off in here. Because Why? Our congregations have to be the place that the Trinity becomes believable. So when we come in here with joy and life and fellowship and brotherhood and we're breaking bread and we're going house to house, 
that becomes an announcement to the world. Holy smokes. You mean these people can walk through real hardships and still love one another? You mean that there can be gossip and slander and backstabbing and all of that? But they say, hey, man, I forgive you. It's all good. Let's keep doing life together. With all of the division that's swirling, this becomes counterculture. We don't look at the culture to define who we are. The world comes here and there's been a greenhouse that's been so cultivated in this room that when they come in there, John 17 has taken place. Father, I desire. My Lord, if Jesus is praying a prayer, y'all, that's pretty important. Father, I desire. What do you desire? That they, us, would be one as you and I are one. And the Father's got the same love for you that he's got for his son, man. He's radical about you, and he's pursuing you with his love, just like we saw in John 2. How in the world do you reconcile the God of the New Testament? So much mercy, so much love, so much kindness. And then he's flipping tables over. It was his love because he wanted a family. And what we're doing is doing what Mike Bickle says. Mike Bickle says that anything that interferes with God's love, God comes to judge that. God comes to judge. Why? Because you've turned it in to a place that has financial motives. And it has financial gain attached to it. As if like that is the goal. But really, what Father, what I'm desiring is that they could be one. And they could be so connected that that will become an apologetic to the world. That you won't have to preach, sing, shout, speak in tongues, and run around and lay hands on people. It's just me loving my brother. And that becomes so powerful that somebody looks at that and says, Holy smokes, man, there is hope unlimited. Does that make sense? Let's stand to our feet. Can we end? I don't know if it's possible. Yeah, yeah. can the team just come back up? That would be amazing. Jesus gets to identify his church because it's his church. He has the right. It's what he laid his life down for. There are 58 as they're coming. I'm just going to throw a few things out as we close. There are 58, y'all, 58 New Testament passages with these words, one another. Love one another. Bear one another's burdens. Many of us come into family with our own broken views because of what mom didn't do for us or dad didn't love us or whatever. And so we come into spiritual family with broken concepts. And then what we do is we get so infatuated with what we want. <laughs> and we get so infatuated with things being done the way that we think they should be done rather than allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to us, get to the scriptures and say, God, I may, I may have a broke, busted, and disgusted view of what real family is. And I, and I didn't have anything to do with that. And it was none of my fault. I just, it just happened. Life just sometimes slaps the taste out of your mouth. I get that. But just because you've been let down in your own personal family doesn't mean that the Trinity or the family of God will let you down. So our congregations become a place where Father, Son, and Spirit become believable because they're perfectly in harmony. God is a, listen to this, if you don't hear another thing I say, God is a family man. He's a family man. He's a divine community all within himself. So when we do what we're talking about, when we do this is home and we build that reconstructed wineskin that I believe is happening all over the earth right now, Jesus get what's, gets what he deserves. And at the end of the day, he's going to get it whether we line up with it or not because he's sovereign. He's going to get what he wants. Amen? Jesus Christ will get what he deserves. And I just wonder if there's a people here today that say, Lord, whatever you want, I want it too. And I want your desires to begin to match my heart's desire. And I want my life to be radically aligned to God, His Word, and His purposes. And it's not about straining, and it's not about striving, because it's, it's not by might nor by power. 
Come on, man. It's only by His Spirit, that we, it's only by the grace of God that we even stand. You mean to tell me that you can hold your baby who's dead, who's purple with her heart protruding out of her chest? Man, that sucks, man. That's painful and that's hard. But I knew that the fire of God's love was, was conforming me. It was purifying me to, to knit me together with the household of God, with other family members. When God turn, when the fire gets turned up in your life, don't grow weary because He's purifying and He's refining so that you can fit just perfect in God's household. So the fire, it cuts and it refines and it purifies so that way when I stand next to my brother, we can be God's household rightly. Listen, y'all. <laughs> I'm done. Listen. If this thing was easy, there would be more people doing it. <laughs> so Acts 2. Hey, go live life this way. But before I commission you to go live life this way, I'm going to give you fire. I'm going to give you real power. Go to Jerusalem and tarry. Don't grow weary. Wait a little while because the Father's promise is coming. You're crazy if you think you can do this without the fire of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the 90-10 rule. There is nothing extraordinary that didn't first begin with you being ordinary. Loving your spouse. Loving your child. Taking the garbage out. Paying your bills. Taking care of things. As the leader, as the husband of your house, as a mother, caring and nurturing in her household. As you begin to give yourself to the ordinary, the extraordinary begins to happen. I'm convinced that subtleties really don't happen that much. We just give ourselves. The mountaintop moments are great, but a lot of times it's just in the valley, man. A lot of times it's just a slow burn. Amen. And so what I want to pray for today, I'm going to let this team begin to take us just for a moment. I've gone six minutes over. I'm sorry. I just want to ask, let's ask the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts. I don't have to come push you in the floor. <laughs> I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to touch us. Amen. If you want to respond to this, you feel free to do this. I think it would be all right to open the altar for a moment. If you just say, man, I just want to come forward to say, Holy Spirit. My fire has just gone out a little bit, and I don't really even believe the way that I used to believe for everything that Stanton's talking about. And my heart, like Hebrews 6, it's grown kind of dull. And I'm here to tell you, don't lose your enthusiasm. Pursue the promises of God that are always yes and amen. And I just, I'm crazy enough to believe that God can touch you with real fire, even in this room. Not for some hyped up moment so you can just shun die, shoot a mosquito. Oh, mama, my knee hurt. All that stuff is great. I pray in tongues every day. I'm not one for the hype, man. We need real power. And we need real authority. And we need real fire. And the only way that that happens is for the Holy Spirit to really touch us deep down in our bones. Because it's got to pass the Monday morning test. Otherwise, this is just all great. But Monday, we got to burn with family. And Tuesday, we got to have meals with family. And on Wednesdays, it just, it all is one big life in God. And it's not an event. And we need real fire for that. So I just want to ask, if you want to respond to this moment right now, that's fine. This altar is open. I'll be happy to pray with you. So Holy Spirit, I ask, touch your people, Lord. Feel these sons and these daughters. You are building your house and we need real fire. God, you said that <clears throat> you do not dwell in temples made with man's hands anymore. But now the temple has gone viral and we have become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's Christ in me and it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. So right now, Holy Spirit, I just ask, rekindle the flame. If we're not dreaming, Lord, we need to dream again. If we don't have any vision for our lives, for our family, for our community and for our region, give us vision. Open our eyes to see. In Jesus' mighty name, touch your people right now. Come on, can you just close your eyes and open your heart right now and just let him touch you for a moment? Oh, Jesus. 
like water. Jesus, you're beautiful. Come on, let's worship. Come on. Your eyes fire. your head is white as wood. I your voice, it sounds like water. Jesus, you're beautiful. Come on, just lift your hands to Jesus. Welcome to stay around and worship for a while, but you're officially, you can be dismissed.